Welcome to Inspiring Business with your host, Mark Bullock, who is the co-founder of Videosocials.net and of VideoInterviewPodcast.com. In every episode, Mark interviews business and organizational thought leaders who share their stories of how they inspire others by making a difference. You can find this show on Videosocials.net and YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and almost any podcast platform of your choosing. Welcome, and today I have a special guest, I have to say, uh, Stacy Brown-Randall. Stacy is the award-winning author of Generating Business Referrals Without Asking and the host of the Roadmap to Referrals podcast. Now, Stacy teaches business owners how to generate referrals naturally without manipulating, incentivizing, or even asking. And Stacy, it is uh, delightful to have you on the podcast. And it's delightful, frankly, to meet you. Yes, same here. Thank you so much, Mark. I'm excited for our conversation and to get to know you. Absolutely. And uh, it's it's always a risk when you have somebody on that you haven't actually met before. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, But you came in based on uh, a referral and then a, a second referral from a, a longtime client uh, and, and then a, a, a more recent uh, member of Video Socials with us. And uh, and then I did some research online uh, with you and listened to a couple of your podcasts, watched watched a few of your shorts and videos on uh, on YouTube. And it was like, I have to have Stacey on. There's no, 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 no question about that. So um, I always like to start, Stacey, with, you know, you know, what inspired you to do what you're doing? With, uh, with, with with helping because I, I realized that you're coming at the whole process and the whole mindset of farming referrals or getting referrals um, as a separate piece of separate from prospecting or marketing or sales. Yeah, you know, it all started when I decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, that I wanted to be a business owner. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Actually, the W-2s sitting around the table are the weirdos at our table. Not <laughs> in most families I know, it may be different. It may be like, wait, what are you doing? You own your own business? Like those folks may be the weirdos at our table. It's now I come from a family of hospitality business owners. So like they own restaurants and hotels and things mm -hmm. like that. So they're like the crazy kind of entrepreneurs, in my personal opinion, someone who grew up working in a restaurant owned by my grandmother. Um, but so I always knew I wanted to start a business. That was always something I knew I wanted to do. I wanted to have that control. I wanted to have that freedom. I just wanted to kind of call my own shots. I don't play mm -hmm. amazingly well in the sandbox. So with others, so I've kind of always known that about myself. So when I decided to start my first business, the beginning, I mean, I, you know, I graduated from college. I had a couple of jobs. I was recruited to some different places. I moved around um, and I was able to like hone my skills in a number of different like areas. But deciding to start a business was more like, well, what am I going to sell? Like, what is my area of expertise? What am I going to sell? And at the time, I actually was really kind of into HR and I was doing work around generational diversity and employee engagement. And I got approached by another company to come on board as like a third partner mm -hmm. and kind of grow their generational diversity kind of division. They didn't have it. They did a lot of data and research on like employee engagement and things like that, but not really someone with an expertise in generational diversity. And so I was like, jumped at the chance. I was like, this is awesome. 
And within a year, I'd actually gone out on my own. I'd left that team. I'd gone out on my own. And I had my own HR consulting firm focused on generational diversity and um, really understanding that employee engagement from that generational diversity perspective. And four years later, that HR consulting firm that had clients like KPMG and BDO and Ally Bank would fail. (laughs) And I would find myself taking down my shingle and back in corporate America and actually having to go back to work for someone else. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> like, that's not how it was supposed to be. Um, and the business, it taught me a lot. But one of the, the toughest lessons that it taught me and my ego <laughs> was that you had to be able to nurture and touch business development every day in some way, shape or form. Most people who like are an expert at something, like I was an expert at generational diversity and then I started an HR consulting firm. It's kind of like the attorney who works at a large firm and then decides to start their own firm or the interior designer who's like, hey, I used to be a banker and now I want to be an interior designer, right? Like most people who start as an expert, we don't necessarily know how to sell. And I had had a background in marketing and sales, but I realized I didn't always bring those lessons forward. And so the big lesson my business failure taught me was, what are you going to do to touch business development every day? But I am very self-aware that there are things that I'm willing to do and things that I'm not willing to do. And so it was figuring out how to make myself successful. So when the business failed, I went back to corporate America. I spent like about close to about 18 months trying to figure out why are others successful and I'm not. And when you're an expert and you start a business, you usually put your head down and you mm-hmm. do the And then you look up when the client work is done and you're like, oh no, there's no more client work. I need to go hustle. I need to go network. I need to go meet people for coffee, right? To get some more business going. And it's the highs and lows, right? It's that entrepreneur roller coaster, but it's not the ride you want to stay on. It's totally normal your first year, sometimes your second year. I was still on that roller coaster, feast or famine, every single month in year four, moving into year five. And it just wasn't Mm -hmm. So I figured out the prospect pipeline matters more than I had given it credit, and I was going to have to do things different. While in corporate America, I got certified as a productivity coach. I started another business. I was in corporate America about 15, 16 months. I started another business, and I was a productivity and business coach. And that business was vastly different from my first one. And my first year, I was like six months in before I I surpassed my corporate salary, which had never happened with the original business. Um, And in that first year, I got 112 referrals that I never asked for. And for me, it was all about doing what I thought would work. That was the opposite of what we had all been told. I, like everybody else, had read the articles and the books and the things that say, ask for referrals or make sure you're incentivizing or paying kickbacks for referrals. And none of that matched who I was or how I wanted to show up in the marketplace. And it just wasn't a fit for my character. So I was like, well, let's just do the opposite. Let's just try some different things. Let's throw some things, some spaghetti on the wall and we'll see what sticks. It wasn't until I ended my first year that I was like, whoa, this is really working. Look at all these referrals I'm getting. I'm getting them without asking. Because I was coaching small business owners, it was at that point they started saying, what's happening? Your business is growing. You're raising your rates. It's harder to get on your schedule. Like you're making a sign year-long contracts, not three months or six months contracts anymore. Like what's happening? And I'm like, I've got this increased demand. And they're like, where is it coming from? And I'm like, referral. And then they said, which I contribute everything in my business to these first couple of clients who were like, thanks for teaching me how to tame my inbox, but I'd rather learn your referral strategy. And that was like, oh, shoot, is there a strategy? I don't know. Like, I'm just doing it and it's working, which 
but I am pretty good at reverse engineering. So I reverse engineered what was happening. I created a strategy and a system around it. And I started teaching my clients. And when they started having success, I was like, oh, this is more than just Stacy and my personality and what I do. This mm -hmm. is for the introverted attorney. And this is working for the single dad financial advisor who doesn't want to spend a lot of hours networking. Like it was working for people that weren't in my industry and weren't like me. And I was like, oh, there's something here. And that's when I really dug into, okay, why are my strategies working? And that uncovered the science and then more strategies. And now I'm 10 years in. We celebrated 10 years last year in 2023. And the whole business is just kind of, I told it did a whole shift away from the productivity coaching, focused in on referrals. And as you mentioned, I have a book out, I've got a podcast out and always helping my clients figure out like, let's get referrals in a way that feels good, but also works because those two are very important things, but you really shouldn't have one without the other. Wow. <laughs> so, we could spend the rest of the day just unpacking what you just said. So. <laughs> Rather, rather than rather than do that, though, I, I did want to focus this in a little bit on uh, some some basic building blocks, um, because I think it all starts with what you alluded to. Um, and that is what does it mean to build a referable business? Yeah, you know, it's interesting when people talk to me about referrals, there's typically a pain point they're trying to solve. It's the I get some referrals, but not enough or I don't get any referrals, or I actually get a lot of referrals, but I'm not doing anything to make them come and I'm worried. There's like a little voice in the back of their head that's like, oh, what if they stop, right? Because I'm not doing anything to make it happen. And then from there, people get more nuanced in their questions. They're, you know, It's more about the right quality and then about their closing ratio for the referrals and they get more nuanced with it. But where it starts is this idea of knowing, I know I want more, but I don't know how to make it happen in a way that works for me. And so people come with a very specific pain point. Can you get me more referrals? Can you show me how to get new referral sources? And the answer to those questions are yes, absolutely. But we take a holistic view of a business and we really look at the ecosystem of where referrals are hiding or where they should be within your business. So it's not just one strategy to solve all the pain points when it comes to referrals. But when you're building a referable business, it really means that you're not just like, hey, I do my job, like I do my work. And then over here, I have this one strategy where I try to get clients. It really is a part of your whole business to get referrals. You have to be referable, which means your client experience, right? The how you deliver a client experience, what that looks like, um, you know, it's processes, it's systems. Like we don't get into the nitty gritty and help people create processes and systems, but a well running business that has an intentional client experience is the best one to be able to generate referrals consistently and be able to receive those referrals year after year. So when we say referable business, it's not just a, I'm getting referrals. It's like, no, you're taking a, a 30,000 foot view of your whole business of where you can make it more referable and then be generating more referrals as well. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And I might just add one piece to that. And it's the consistency of that experience as well. Oh, repeatable. So, it has to be repeatable. It, it has to, it has to be repeatable. You know, I, I call it the, you know, the McDonald's formula for success. Their formula for success has nothing to do with, with you know, great food. 
because it's not. <laughs> but, but it's all about that consistency of experience. You walk into a McDonald's anywhere in the world, any time of day, any day of the year, and you order a Big Mac, you know exactly what you're going to get. It's always the same. It's exactly the same. The human mind is a prediction machine. If our clients and our and our customers cannot predict what they're going to get, they're not going to, first of all, engage or purchase, and they're certainly not going to refer. Um, so uh, love, 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 love that, love the concept. One of the other things that I think people to collapse into each other you know the the whole the whole difference between prospecting and um uh, marketing and the referral leg of the business and sales etc cetera, etc cetera, um that i look at as as a collapsing is we we don't even necessarily define referrals correctly because so much of the time we're what somebody is actually doing is they're endorsing you that's great it's important but it's not a referral somebody may be recommending you that's great that's even better somebody might be sharing you your your content or, or or what you're doing with somebody else or an email that you sent or something like that those are all terrific absolutely what you what you want but those aren't actual actual referrals can can you get, can you help define what referrals and referral sources are yeah and you hit the nail on the head there like all those things are amazing and they're awesome. And I want those for you, right? I want people commenting and sharing your social media posts or forwarding your emails to somebody else or doing all those things. But those things all fall into the category of word of mouth buzz. And that is very different from a referral. What I find, it's very close to a referral, but it's not an exact referral. And right. what I find in the work that I do when I'm having conversations with people, I first have to make sure we're on the same page about even talking about the same thing. So when I define a referral for folks, you know, it's very like it's a it's a very specific definition. It has two parts, but it's to help people see how it is separated from word of mouth buzz or just an introduction or a warm lead. And so right. it's understanding how it's different from those because it's not just like you need to know it, you need to know because that actually dictates how you respond. And so when you don't know what you've received, you don't know the best way to respond so that you're closer to getting that prospect to become a paying client. And so the two um, keys, right, the two parts of the definition for referrals is number one, there has to be a personal connection. So you taking an email of mine and thinking it's the best thing you've ever read and forwarding it out to three or four people is amazing, right? And maybe one of those people will reach out to me and be like, I need to learn more. I need to work with you but the odds probably aren't there. What we need is that personal connection where you're connecting me to the prospects that you're going to refer to me. Yep. And that's a key piece, that personal connection happens. Typically with the clients that I work with in professional services firms or creative industries, typically it's going to happen over email. It could happen over a text thread, Less likely is it going to happen like probably in person because that means all parties have to be at the same event. So usually it's just going to be an email that's sent. And I want to be copied on the email that the referral source, that's the person who's referring me, is copying me on the email to the prospect and then saying why there is actually that connection being made. And that leads into the second part of the definition of a referral, which is need identified. There has to be a need identified, meaning the prospect needs to know they are the prospect. They need to know they have a problem. They have to be interested in solving it to the point that they're now willing to be connected to you. 
That doesn't mean they're going to necessarily pick you or hire you or give you money, but there is in their mind, they're thinking this is a problem and I'm going to solve it. And so I'm willing to have a conversation with Stacy to solve this problem because Mark has referred me to her and Mark trusts her. And because there's a personal connection and a need identified that trust that is transferred from Mark to the prospect to me using our example, right? Because that happens in that way, that's why a referred prospect is less price sensitive and usually quicker to close and easier to close. And they already value you and trust you because someone's already established that for you. So when people talk about, oh, referrals are great, they're so much easier to close. I'm like, there's a reason for that. And the reason is because of the definition, personal connection need identified in the prospect. Just just fascinating because you, you, you've codified so much of what many of us know or 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 in, you know intuitive in, intuitively feel, but we haven't really looked at it. And and you've you've you're giving it a framework uh, that that allows us to actually okay, well I need, now I need, need to work on this piece. Now now I need to to focus more over here. Um, but along along the way, you know, I, you know, in full disclosure, uh, you were referred by a, a member of Video Socials. You you uh, uh, you have another client, a long term client that uh, that you love, uh, that is also a Video Socials member, and that's how we that's how we came together. And we didn't develop Video Socials. I'm, I'm going to take a moment because we're self sponsored just to just to talk about Video Socials, and we didn't develop it as a networking organization uh, in any way, but I, I often say some of the most powerful networking I've ever seen uh, happens there. And so what is it? Video socials is that opportunity to, instead of talking to this inanimate object called a camera and trying to create videos to put out on YouTube and social media and other places, you have the opportunity to be in a room full of other people that are doing exactly the same thing. And we are all learning and practicing and growing together and giving each other support, encouragement, and feedback live immediately after, you know, each of us takes a turn at, at, at taking a shot at our two or three minute video blog post or our, our one minute reel or, or, or short, et cetera. And when we're doing that, we have something that we've not seen anywhere else. And that is a community. And the community is a self-supporting community and a self-engaging community. It's not a judgmental community. There is no criticism, as an example. There is no critique. There is feedback. The feedback is designed to be encouraging, acknowledging what it is that went really well. It also offers an opportunity for perhaps you might try this or perhaps you might try that. And Almost more importantly, and what we get feedback from from our many members has been for the last four years, has been just seeing other people doing the same thing, having a different voice, a different business, a different it, different everything, gives us different perspectives. Number one, so we learn from what we see other people practicing and experimenting with and and trying, and we also in the fact that we're all doing it ourselves, we're able to give feedback that gives whoever it is that we're giving feedback to the ability to see from a different perspective. Because if you're just on a green screen talking to a camera, one, you're <laughs> not getting the feedback. Two is you think what you're saying and how you're coming across is landing the message that you're trying to get across, but you don't know that. 
And you don't know it until you get it out there and get it posted and see whether or not there's feedback from the social media community, right? So anyway, it's um, it's the culmination of my life's work um, and, and years and years and years of uh, training and practice and communications and Toastmasters and all kinds of stuff. And it's a, uh, it's a lovely, lovely community. Uh, there's no cost. There's no obligation to come as a guest. And I would invite anyone uh, to take advantage of that opportunity. Go to videosocials.net and click the guest tab at the top of the screen um, and RSVP for any available group. We'd love to meet you. And you know, I, I think it's so interesting what you're saying, because I think the community aspect of anything that we do, I see this with the same thing with my group program, my group coaching program. Um, the community aspect is something that everyone will say is so valuable that they didn't expect. And I'm yeah. sure it's the same thing with video socials is that, hey, I'm there to get my videos done. Like, I know that's what Catherine and Neil said to yeah. me. They're like, hey, without Mark and video socials, I would not be getting my videos done. Right. But it's the community. So that's why they show up. Right. But it's it's the um, it's the intangibles of like that community that matters so much that usually keeps people coming back in addition to the obviously what they think they're there for. I mean, it's the same thing with my coaching program. It's like people are like, hey, I'm there for the the answers, right? I'm there to know how to make this work. I'm there to get the training. I'm there to understand. I'm there to ask Stacy questions. But the community, the friendships, the business that I see happening amongst yep. the members, I didn't plan for that. I don't know how to put that in my marketing, right? Like it's just, <laughs> that's just an fabulous intangible that's just going to be a secret, I guess, until you get in. But I think that's one of the things that when we do things like businesses that you and I have that are based on humans hanging around other humans, we have yep. the potential for that to really work, which I think is really cool. So I just wanted to add that. Thank you so much. And uh, I did see one of your shorts where um, you had taken a clip from a podcast from one of your clients who is a self-proclaimed introvert. Uh, and um, I'm an introvert as well, you know, so, you know, a thousand pieces of content, some 700 videos myself, et cetera. Later, yeah, I'm an introvert. I really don't enjoy going out to a networking event and introducing yeah. myself to a, to, to, to a bunch of people. Um, not that I mind at all having a conversation with people, not that I mind at all meeting people. It's just crowds don't do anything for me, right? Well Introverts are the, sometimes the best conversationalist. Like it's yeah. just the crowds. Yeah, I get it. And as somebody who is an, I think I'm an extroverted introvert because sometimes I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and my husband, my husband, like he's in sales. He was like, hey, we got to go to this event. I'm like, do I have to? He's like, are you kidding me? He was like, you, you, you seem to enjoy yourself those networking events. I'm like, I do when I'm there. It's just the whole process of like getting there and like agreeing to go and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm just as happy to sit at home too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get to the nuts and bolts. What is the science behind referrals without asking? Yeah. So giving it to you at that kind of 30 foot, 30,000, excuse me, 30,000 foot view. The big thing I, I think people need to understand so that I don't go like all professor in this interview and like give a long dissertation on what this looks like from a, from a science perspective. There's three key things I want you to keep in mind when we build a strategy or when we see referrals work, right. And when we are tapping into what works and what makes referrals happen and we back out of that, like we make it very practical and application based on the science, we're feeding off of three things. And the first thing is what's actually happening in the brain when a referral source is referring you, right? Mm -hmm. So what's happening in the brain when a referral source is referring you, it's actually not about you. 
And that's the first thing people are like, what do you mean it's not about me? I just got a new client referred to me. What are you talking about? It's completely 100% all about me. It's not. It's not about you. When you actually pay attention to when you refer someone to someone else, Mm -hmm. typically it's not about the solution provider, right? It's not about us in that moment. It's about the prospect that has a problem or needs help. And what we call the referral source, right? It's about that person being like, wait, I know how to help you. They get to be the hero, but it's about their willingness to help the other person. How they're going to help the other person is by referring them to you because you can solve the prospect's problem. So when you understand what's happening from a brain, like from just from a simple understanding of brain science is that it's called the happiness trifecta. Mm-hmm. And it's when the three chemicals, dopamine and its two cousins are released, right? At the moment when you actually feel good doing something and helping someone else as part of that feel good chemical release, like that's what's happening is that you're referring somebody to someone else because you're helping somebody who has a problem. Yes. Do we get new clients? And is that amazing? Of course, but that's not the happiness trifecta going off in your referral sources brain. What's going off in their brain is the person they're helping solve a problem. So first thing is, is understanding referrals aren't about you. And that's from a brain science perspective. The second thing to recognize is the psychology of trust. And that is actually really important. And most people are like, yep, got it. Like the trust piece, most people are like, I understand you got to trust me to be able to refer to me. But it's actually not the trust in the way that people think. Everyone assumes, this is kind of a crazy statement to make, but if you think about it, it's usually true, right? Everyone assumes other people do great work until you prove us otherwise. Mm -hmm. We just assume you have a good business. I just assume what you do is good until someone tells me it's not, right? Like, or I see it for myself. We just assume that we do great business and that other people do good business and take good care of their clients. So the trust factor isn't that you're going to take care of the client really well, right? That is a minimum standard for entry. It's assumed that you do that because all businesses who stick around are probably doing that. It's not true, actually, but it's what we assume. It's what we believe in the moment. The trust factor is actually that psychology of trust isn't in the, I know you'll you'll take great care of them. And I know you'll do great work. That's assumed. The trust factor is in that continuation of the relationship. And so for a continuation of trust to continue in a person towards you, there's got to be a relationship with them. That doesn't mean you take them to beer every week, right? Or to every month to grab a beer or wine, a glass of wine after work. It doesn't mean you're like popping up in their inbox every week with a new article you want them to read. It's not this keeping in touch stuff. It's being memorable and meaningful and building a relationship with them that allows you to stay top of mind. And that's the piece of the psychology of trust that I think people miss is like that connection matters. That relationship matters. That's how our trust stays consistent. And then the third piece is behavioral economics. There are actually things that we can do and how our strategies are built around triggering those behavioral economic moments where people are more likely to refer. And so that's unpacking a lot of pieces, right? But the big one I was always I always tell folks is that when you're thinking about behavioral economics and you're thinking about your referral sources and the people that you want to refer to you, th- you've got to have some variety, some surprise and delight factor. There's got to be variety. Like if you try to take your referral sources to coffee, every single month. Like, A, I don't know who has that much time. And B, I don't know what we're going to talk about every single month going to coffee if we're not like best friends, right? And so the idea here is, is that when we think about behavioral economics and we look at how those factors of behavioral economics and persuasion and things like that fit into how we 
honor our relationships and have a genuine relationship, but do the things that also trigger referrings, that comes down to what we do and what we say. And that feeds itself into the strategies that we teach and the language pieces that we teach as well. But it factors in from brain science, psychology of trust, and behavioral economics. Man, people need to read your book. (laughs) There is no no question because I'm I'm going to pick out one thread though that's that's carried through from the beginning and that's and that's the phrase of relationship, yeah. Because um, I learned from a client, oh geez, at least fifteen years ago that uh, said, you know, it, it, it's not just business; it is personal, right? Because we've all heard all heard the phrase, it's nothing personal; it's just business. It's actually the exact opposite, right? So. Um, and taking that forward a little bit to, you know, rather than just being a phrase, it's understanding that people do business with people, right? Yes. Unless you're buying a Starbucks coffee or something, you know, some commodity item, something like that, it really has little to do with the with, with the individuals. When it comes to any kind of professional services, educational services, inspirational services, what 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 whatever it is, it comes down to the relationship. And relationships are human to human, one to one. Okay, um, somebody going in and selling something to HR, a consulting service, or whatever to to an HR department or something like that. You're not selling to the HR department. You're selling to the individual, yeah. right? So, and it's one of the things that I think many of us try to get away from because relationships are so time consuming. The reality, the reality is, it's such a sad statement. <laughs> well, it's, and it's true, which is, which is why you want to create a community, not just individual relationships, right? But the individual relationships have to be built on what you, what you're talking about. So, yeah, well, and we teach folks that when we talk about building those relationships, you're you're not wrong, right? And like, oh, that that's that's time consuming, right? But what we have found out that the actual connection points that our referral sources are looking from us to keep referring us, they're not those got to be with them all the time. They're not the keep in touch mm-hmm. and constantly like every 62 mm-hmm. days send them a text message, hey, what's up, right? Um it, it really is being memorable and meaningful in that connection to them. And there's a whole other layer of science that we bake into like what that looks like of how we stay connected to our referral sources. But one of the key things we focus in on is and doing that actually with the least amount of time, but where we're still honoring that relationship, but we're also not spending hours upon hours upon hours every single week cultivating the relationships because no business owner has time for that, no matter how good meaning they are, right? And how right. how well-meaning they are in terms of wanting to do that. Um, so yeah, we have we've figured out the the the, the way that it works so that it actually makes more sense um, and doesn't taste a lot, take a lot of time. But the truth is, relationships are not there. It's you can't send an email to maintain a relationship, so there will always be an investment of time. Absolutely, and so before I forget about it, and before I ask you my last question, um, I did want to, to let people know you've written a book. It's called Generating Business Referrals Without Asking. Um, I'm a, we're going to include links to all of this stuff with the po- with the podcast, folks. So you don't have to memorize any of this. Um, but uh, so we'll have we'll have a link or, or find a link to. Is it available on Amazon or, or everywhere? Or? Everywhere books are sold. 
Okay. So, um, and, and we'll certainly include links for that. You also have a, a building a refer, referable business coaching program, and that's at your website, stacybrownrandall.com forward slash referable business. And um, your website, of course, is stacybrownrandall.com. Uh, your podcast is also at your website forward slash podcast. Um, you're on LinkedIn at Stacy Brandle. You're on YouTube at Referrals Without Asking. You're on Facebook at Stacy Brown Randall. You're on Instagram at Stacy Brown Randall. Um, and you've got content in all of those places. And it's all exactly the content that we've been coaching our clients to create for years, which is something that's informational, educational, and maybe even inspires. Um, not that because I always ask the question, who wants to see an infomercial in their in their newsfeed on their social media channel? <laughs> and what is 99% of what's created out there? Infomercials, right? So don't do it. Just create just create content that makes a difference on its own. And the rest ends up falling into place. And read Stacy's book. But Stacy, what is your referral ecosystem? Yeah, so the way that we actually we talk about understanding referrals and how it actually fits within your business is really understanding that there's not just one strategy. Actually, most people don't know this. And then I don't say it to overwhelm anybody because nobody needs all of them. We actually teach 19 different strategies of how to generate referrals and the way that we teach them from the science perspective. Not, not all my clients need all 19, but depending on where they are with their business stage and what it looks like in the life cycle of their business and stuff, they may need that. So we teach 19 strategies, but they all fit within the ecosystem of understanding that referable business. And so the top of the ecosystem is specific people. Obviously, we teach strategies to generate referrals from specific people, and they fall into two groups. They're the existing referral sources, so the people who are already referring to you or have referred to you existing referral sources, or the second is potential referral sources. And so you have those folks you just wish would refer to you. We teach a strategy of how to actually cultivate referrals from them. So you never have to ask, or you never have to feel like you're being less than genuine with that relationship. So the first at the top of the ecosystem, of course, is our specific people strategies. Then we also talk about referrals from the client experience perspective and building that referable client experience so that you're actually able to capture referrals in the moments that they're more likely to happen, but also mm -hmm. recognize the clients who are more likely to refer you within that repeatable process of your client experience. Then we also look at it from the buyer's journey perspective of what's going on with prospects before they're making the decision to say yes to working with you. And then of course, the fourth part of our ecosystem is really what's happening in the rest of your marketing and your sales and your networking and your social media and the events that you may do. So we kind of look at everything else um, in terms of, is there other areas where you could be generating referrals? And we have strategies and language and what you do and what when you do it and what you say throughout all of that. So it's not just, hey, I need these five people to refer me. It's that's fine. We can do that. And let's also look at the ecosystem of your entire business to truly build a sustainable business that is generating referrals. Um, and it's doing it consistently for you. And then, of course, we're tracking all of that to make sure that it's working. But that's our that's our referral ecosystem within someone's business. Outstanding. Stacy, um, really amazing um, content that you produce, um, the mindset shift that you're that you're asking people to, to take on because 
it's not rocket science. It really, it really isn't. But at the same token, if we're coming at it from a framework of the traditional, you know, you got to go out and ask for referrals. You got to go out, you, you know, you, you, you got to go create referral sources. Well, you're creating relationships and you're and and, and it's how you approach that relationship that can help determine as well as having a referable business in the first place, a model that is, is referable. Um, but the, those that you're creating those relationships with a purpose um, behind it and understanding. And my takeaway is this, the understanding is when somebody refers you, it's not about you. It's about the person that they're referring and, and, and helping them solve a need and trying, trying to make a difference for them by doing, you know, by uh, basically your tool, <laughs> your tool to help their friend get, you know, get a solution to their to, to, to their problem. Um, and I and I do and I do say once you've been doing something long enough and you've helped enough people, there is a desire uh, to want to help you, right? If you've really helped somebody for a long period of time, there they're going to be looking for opportunities uh, to want to help you, but only if it helps the person that they're referring to you. So really amazing uh, work that you're doing, Stacy. I recommend your book to anyone and but by all means take advantage of you have a, you have a significant online presence with some wonderful free content at the very least uh, check out through the links below and, Stacey, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're very well. Take care. You've been listening to Inspiring Business with your host, Mark Bullock. Your positive comments, likes, and most importantly, your sharing of this show with others is greatly appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe to the Inspiring Business Podcast on whatever platform you prefer. You can catch prior episodes on videosocials.net and on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all the major podcast platforms.